This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Coming up on America in the Morning, what's in your wallet? A new acquisition. Then... President Biden did not sound optimistic for Congress to get aid to Ukraine. I'm Shelley Adler. Nikki Haley is sharpening contrast with Donald Trump in the days before the South Carolina primary. I'm Ed Donahue. Police in Colorado Springs say a suspect has been taken into custody in connection with Friday's fatal shooting at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. I'm Norman Hall. An American man has admitted to attacking two U.S. tourists and killing one of them at a famous German tourist destination. I'm Karen Chamas. Financial aid decisions that usually go out with college acceptance letters are being delayed. I'm Jennifer King. All ahead on America in the Morning. Capital One Financial has announced it will buy Discover Financial Services for $35 billion. The deal will bring together two of the nation's largest credit card companies, as well as potentially shake up the payments industry, which is largely dominated by Visa and MasterCard. The acquisition will give Capital One access to the Discover payment processing network. While smaller than industry giants Visa and MasterCard, the Discover network will enable Capital One to get revenue from fees charged for every merchant transaction that runs on the network. Under the terms of the all-stock transaction, Discover financial shareholders will receive Capital One shares valued at nearly $140. That's a significant premium to the just over $110 that Discover shares closed at on Friday. This is America in the Morning. The political battle on Capitol Hill over aid for Ukraine continues. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. Talking to reporters on his way into the White House, President Joe Biden was asked about the lack of action in the GOP-led House when it came to Ukraine. The way they're walking away from the threat of Russia, the way they're walking away from NATO... The way they're walking away from meeting our obligations is, is, is just shocking. I've been for a while. I've never seen anything like this. Overseas to Kiev and Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick. We're going to get something through Congress. The, the problem is you have, you have a lot of people that don't want to compromise. We have a compromise bill in the House. Democrats and Republicans unified together that we're going to demand a vote, get it to the Senate, and get this done. Fitzpatrick was speaking on the sidelines of a lecture with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in Ukraine. I'm Shelley Adler. Nikki Haley is ramping up her attacks on Donald Trump ahead of this week's primary in South Carolina. Correspondent Ed Donahue reports. Trump has won big so far in the races over Haley, but in her home state of South Carolina, her message is she is the candidate who can unite America. Donald Trump can't win. And we have to win. That's the biggest thing. Trump's 2016 primary victory in South Carolina helped cement his frontrunner status. This time around, he has the support from all the state's top elected leaders and all but one of its congressional Republicans. But Haley points out Trump lost in 2020. He has lost cases in court and Republicans have lost votes in Congress. And Donald Trump had his fingerprints on all of it. Everything he touches, we lose. How many more times do we have to lose before we say maybe he's the problem? Nikki Haley argues she is the only choice among the remaining candidates who can handle disputes with foreign leaders in a way that will keep America on solid footing abroad. I'm Ed Donahue. Update on two stories we brought you yesterday. 
the college shooting, and the killing of two police officers and a paramedic. America in the Morning, back after these messages. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. Let's find out where any storms are lingering this morning. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson with the Tuesday forecast. Well, many of the same areas that had wet weather yesterday will continue to have rounds of rain today as a large storm continues to swirl off the West Coast. This includes much of California. In fact, the steadiest and heaviest rain will fall from near the San Francisco Bay Area. There can also be a rumble of thunder southward into the L.A. Basin and into San Diego. Rain will be more showery in nature over Washington and Oregon. The rain along the West Coast can reduce visibility and cause ponding of water in area streets, leading to slower travel and possible delays. Snow will be confined to the highest elevations of the northern Sierra Nevada, rain showers will dampen parts of Nevada, Utah, and western Colorado, including Salt Lake City and Las Vegas. Showers of rain and mountain snow will dot western parts of Montana into Idaho, with most of the snow falling over the mountains of western Wyoming. With a lack of storms across the rest of the nation, the central and eastern parts of the U.S. will have a continuation of the recent dry and quiet weather. There will be a mix of clouds and sunshine across the northern plains into the Great Lakes region, with highs in the 40s and 50s. Milder spring-like weather will be in place across the southern plains into the southeast with more in the way of sunshine and highs in the 60s and 70s, even 80s common over Texas. Much of the east will have nice weather for late February with partly sunny skies over the mid-Atlantic and lots of sunshine over the northeast. Highs this afternoon will be mostly in the 30s across the northeast with 40s and 50s across the mid-Atlantic. Not too bad for this time of the year. And that's the weather across America. In New York City today, plenty of sunshine, high 39. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, periods of rain with a high near 60. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A suspect has been arrested in the shooting deaths in a Colorado college dorm. Correspondent Norman Hall has an update. Police in Colorado Springs say a suspect has been taken into custody in connection with Friday's fatal shooting of two people in a dorm room at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. The identity of the suspect has not been released. The victims are Celie Rain Montgomery, 26, and Samuel Knopp, a 24-year-old, a student at the university. 
It has 11,000 students and is about 70 miles south of Denver. No motive has been disclosed. Police are calling the shooting an isolated incident between people who knew each other, not a random attack at the school. I'm Norman Hall. More details have emerged about the Minnesota man that killed two police officers and a paramedic. Correspondent Lisa Dwyer has that story. Court records show that 38-year-old Shannon Gooden was not legally allowed to own guns. He was also entangled in a years-long dispute over the custody and financial support of his three oldest children. It started out as a 911 call about a domestic incident early Sunday. The call reported that Gooden had barricaded himself in his home with family members, including seven children, ages 2 to 15. It ended with two police officers, a firefighter, and the suspect dead. A third officer was wounded. I'm Lisa Dwyer. U.S. government microchip manufacturing and a Palestinian state will the U.N. decide. Those stories when we return, America in the Morning, back after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. As market activity resumes today, CNBC's Jessica Ettinger has Tuesday business. Wall Street's back at it this morning after the President's Day holiday for the financial markets yesterday. Stocks are coming off a week of swings last week, but here's where the major averages are. So far this year, the Dow up 2%, the S&P 500 index and the NASDAQ each up 5%. The major averages were hovering around record highs when a tick up in the consumer price index sent markets plunging last Tuesday, and investors have had to adjust to the idea that the Fed won't likely be lowering interest rates anytime soon. Now, last Friday, the January producer price index, a measure of inflation at the wholesale level, it came in slightly hotter than expected, too. But it's a bumpy ride down. This to me is a one-off. People have got their hair on fire. Inflation's moving down. It doesn't move in a straight line. And I think we're going to get to April, May, and we're going to see inflation back moving to 2%. SMBC Nico Securities, Joe Lavornia on CNBC. Last Friday, we got the latest on consumer confidence. It missed forecasts, but it wasn't bad. University of Michigan, 79.6 on headline. And even though that's less than we expected, that is still the best, the highest form of confidence going back to July of 2021. CNBC's Rick Santelli. Watch Bitcoin today. It's been on quite a run heading into the long holiday weekend, and it traded all weekend long. It never stops. It was hovering around 52,000, its highest since December of 2021. Bitcoin has gained more than 20% just this month. And get this, Bitcoin's market cap is now back above $1 trillion. That's bigger than Berkshire Hathaway. If it were a company, it would be the seventh biggest in the United States. CNBC's Melissa Lee. Of course, we topped the show with the announcement that Capital One will buy Discover Financial Services for $35 billion. This at a time when the banking industry is begging for help in fighting fraud. Yes, because banks can't really do anything about people pulling out their money to give to fake fraudsters overseas they're in love with. Romance scams are worse than ever. Criminals pose as attractive partners and reach out online to lonely Americans on social media. Once someone responds, the avatars spend hours each day 
slowly convincing the victim that they have fallen in love with a real person. Then they introduce the investment opportunity and coach the victim on how to liquidate assets. It's at that point that the financial institutions come in. It's really hard because it is the customer's money. I mean, we've heard stories where uh, we know a bank teller that was sobbing, calling, talking with a longtime customer, begging them not to do this type of thing. And in the end, you know, we have to give them access to their funds. Paul Benda is an expert on fraud at the American Bankers Association. CNBC's Eamon Javers. You can watch the whole report at CNBC.com. On today's watch list, earnings season picking up again. We're going to hear from Walmart and Home Depot. Those are some biggies. CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Now 22 after. America in the Morning continues. The federal government is increasing its investments into computer chip production inside the United States. Correspondent Jackie Quinn explains. The Biden administration says it's investing over a billion dollars to help a computer chip company, Global Foundries, expand its production facilities in New York and Vermont. Last year, President Biden vowed to expand domestic production of computer chips to avoid the shortages that developed during the pandemic. We can never let that happen again. The money comes from a bill passed in 2022 that allows the government to invest billions in chip-making manufacturers, which help supply smartphones, military equipment, and electric vehicles. We're going to make sure the supply chain for America begins in America. The projects in Malta, New York, and Burlington, Vermont, are expected to create 1,500 manufacturing jobs, along with 9,000 construction jobs over the next decade. I'm Jackie Quinn. The top U.N. court is holding hearings into Israel's occupation of lands sought for a Palestinian state, Correspondent Karen Shamas reports. A top United Nations court has opened hearings into the legality of Israel's 57-year occupation of lands sought for a Palestinian state. The session before the International Court of Justice comes following a request by the UN General Assembly. The Assembly asked the court for a non-binding advisory opinion into Israel's policies in the occupied territories. Palestinian Foreign Affairs Minister Riyad al-Maliki opened the presentation by Palestinian representatives. Acquisition of territory by force, persecution, racial discrimination and apartheid against the people, denial of self-determination are all grave violations of the most fundamental norms of international law. There is a legal and moral obligation to bring them to a prompt end. The session will last six days and judges will likely take months to issue an opinion. I'm Karen Shamas. Now blocking your way into college, the very form that is supposed to help you get in when America in the Morning returns after these messages. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. Millions of families are having to hold off on deciding about college due to issues with FAFSA. Jennifer King reports. Financial aid decisions that usually go out with college acceptance letters are being delayed because of a later-than-expected rollout of revisions to the free application for federal student aid, known as the FAFSA form. The Education Department said the new form would be easier to fill out and use a new formula to compute eligibility, but it wasn't ready in October when the forms are usually released, and during a soft launch in December, it was difficult for many people to access, and it didn't include the updated inflation tool. Schools won't get the information they need until next month. Some colleges, like Virginia 
attack are pushing back their deadline for students to accept offers of admission. Agatha James in Queens says for her high school senior, everything is in limbo. The department says as of mid-February, more than 4 million forms have been successfully submitted. More than 17 million students use the FAFSA every year. Jenny Nicholas, a parent in Keene, New Hampshire, says we're not going to make a decision without knowing what we're committing to financially. She wants to make sure her son goes to a college that is affordable for their family. I'm Jennifer King. Video game studios are increasingly using artificial intelligence to create character voices. Correspondent Margie Zaraleta looks at how that affects voice actors. Voice actor Andy McGee specializes in accents of the British Isles. Well, if they don't want to pay the price, then they don't want to, to get this out of us. As video games create huge worlds with interactive characters, sometimes it's easier to use artificial intelligence for the voices. McGee says his work with Replica Studios meant he had to read 7,000 words per mood for a character. Sometimes you would be sad talking about something that's completely not of the you know um genre of being sad the actors union sag aftra and replica studios announced a deal last month that allows unionized actors to set the terms of ai for the use of their voices i'm margie zaraleto america in the morning for tuesday february 20th 2024 is produced by alexander henson senior producer kevin delaney i'm john trout this is westwood one This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour... Capital One Financial is buying Discover Financial Services for $35 billion. I'm Ben Thomas. The U.S. calling for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza. I'm John Stolnes. Drug drone delivery to prisons. Then, National Guard to patrol schools. An American man has admitted to attacking two U.S. tourists and killing one of them at a famous German tourist destination. I'm Karen Chamas. Notorious cybercrime group Lockbit has been shut down. Or have they? I'm Chuck Palm. Back after these messages. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. Rain continues to plague the West Coast. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson has today's forecast. While much of the nation will have good travel weather today, the West Coast will continue to deal with rainy weather and potential travel issues. Many of the same areas had wet weather yesterday will continue to have rounds of rain today as a large storm continues to swirl off the West Coast. This includes much of California, with the steadiest and heaviest rain falling from near the San Francisco Bay Area, where can also be a rumble of thunder southward into the L.A. Basin and into San Diego. Rain will be more showery in nature over Washington and Oregon. The rain along 
on the West Coast can reduce visibility and cause ponding of water in area streets, leading to slower travel and possible delays throughout the day. Showers of rain and mountain snow will dot western Montana and Idaho, with most of the snow falling over the mountains of western Wyoming. The heaviest snow will be confined to the highest elevations of the northern Sierra Nevada. Rain showers will dampen parts of Nevada, Utah, and western Colorado, including Salt Lake City. Some heavier downpours around Las Vegas can lead to ponding of water, especially in poor drainage areas. With a lack of storms across the rest of the nation, good travel weather will be in place across the central and eastern parts of the U.S. Partly sunny skies will be common across the northern plains into the Great Lakes region with highs in the 40s and 50s. It will feel more like spring across the southern plains into the southeast under sunny skies with highs in the 60s and 70s, even 80s common across much of Texas. Much of the east will have nice weather for late February with a mix of clouds and sunshine over the mid-Atlantic and plenty of sunshine across the northeast. Highs this afternoon will be mostly in the 30s across the northeast, although parts of Maine will stay in the 20s with 40s and 50s across the mid-Atlantic. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Kai Erickson. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A major deal has been struck between two large financial companies. Correspondent Ben Thomas has details. Capital One Financial is buying Discover Financial Services for $35 billion. The deal brings together two of the nation's biggest credit card companies. In a news release, they say Discover shareholders will receive Capital One shares valued at nearly $140. Discover shares closed Friday trading at $110.49. Capital One was the 12th largest U.S. bank as of the third quarter, while Discover was 33rd. Both companies have benefited from Americans' increased use of credit cards, but they've also needed to set aside more reserves to guard against defaults, and that's weighed on both banks' profits. The acquisition would also give Capital One access to Discover's payment processing network. I'm Ben Thomas. President Joe Biden, in the wake of the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, said congressional Republicans are, quote, making a big mistake, end quote, by not passing additional aid to Ukraine. While returning to the White House on Monday, Biden was asked by a reporter if he'd go so far as to say House Republicans had Navalny's blood on their hands amid their opposition to aid for Ukraine as the war enters its third year. The president responded no, but added... The way they're walking away from the threat of Russia, the way they're walking away from NATO, the way they're walking away from meeting our obligations, is is, is just shocking. I've been for a while. I've never seen anything like this. Navalny's death was reported by Russia's Federal Penitentiary Service February 16th. No information has been shared about the cause of death. According to Navalny's team, his family has been denied access to his body. Biden has blamed Russian President Vladimir Putin for Navalny's death. When asked by reporters how he plans to respond to the Putin critic's death, the president said, We already have sanctions moving and we're considering additional sanctions. America in the Morning continues. The United States is proposing a temporary halt to the fighting in Gaza and warning Israel not to extend their ground campaign into the Palestinian city of Rafah. Correspondent John Stolnes has the latest on the situation. Hundreds of people marching outside the home of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office in Jerusalem last night, calling for an immediate ceasefire and demanding a deal with Hamas that would see Israeli hostages released. 
In the United Nations this week, an Algerian proposal calls for an immediate ceasefire. However, the United States says they will veto that draft resolution, saying Israel has the right to defend itself against Hamas aggression. Instead, the U.S. is proposing their own U.N. Security Council draft resolution calling for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza, but is also warning Israel not to go through with a ground invasion into the city of Rafah, where hundreds of thousands of displaced Palestinians have fled. Israeli War Cabinet member Benny Gantz says they must continue the fight. If by Ramadan hostages are not home, the fighting will continue everywhere to include Rafah area. We will do so in coordinated manner, facilitating the evacuation of civilians in dialogue with American and Egyptian partners and minim- to minimize the civilian casualties as much as possible. Netanyahu agrees, saying the only way for Israel to gain the security they require is by totally defeating Hamas and rooting them out of Gaza completely. The release of hostages can be achieved through strong military action and tough negotiations, very tough negotiations. That uh, tough position has to involve the exertion of pressure. The U.S. resolution calls for the temporary ceasefire to begin, quote, as soon as practicable, based on the formula of all hostages being released. President Biden said Friday he told Netanyahu a temporary ceasefire is necessary in order to make sure a hostage release is done safely. It's unclear when the U.S. draft resolution will be put to a vote in the U.N. I'm John Stolnes. A Minnesota community is grieving the loss of three first responders who were killed as they arrived at a domestic dispute. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. The wife of one of the officers killed in Burnsville, Minnesota, says her husband was the type of man who just had to be a hero. Cindy Elmstrand, who started dating 27-year-old Paul Elmstrand in high school, says he always did what was right to help protect lives, even if it meant losing his. Governor Tim Walls. To the families uh, of Adam, Paul, and Matt, Minnesota mourns with you. As heard on KMSPTV, the community held a candlelight vigil late Sunday, honoring the two officers and firefighter killed. Investigators are trying to learn more about the man who shot at police during a four-hour standoff with seven children inside the home under the age of 16. I'm Jackie Quinn. When we return on America in the Morning, post-Kansas City Victory Parade, new gun laws in Missouri, and drugs delivered by drones into a prison. That and more after these messages. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. Missouri lawmakers have passed a new firearms law in the wake of the deadly shooting at the Victory Parade for the Kansas City Chiefs. Correspondent Norman Hall has details. Missouri's Republican-led House has passed a bill to ban celebratory gunfire in cities less than a week after a deadly shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. The violence left some attending lawmakers hiding in bathrooms. Kansas City police have said the shooting appeared to stem from a dispute, not celebration. But the largely bipartisan-supported bill on celebratory gunfire represents a rare effort to regulate guns in a state with some of the most expansive laws on firearm ownership. I'm Norman Hall. 
Eleven suspects have been arrested in an investigation into illegal drugs allegedly delivered by drones into a federal prison in southern West Virginia. McDowell County Sheriff James Muncie says his office was contacted in November by officials at the Medium Security Federal Correction Institution in Welsh, West Virginia, to help with increased drone use in the area. In December, the sheriff's office started receiving multiple tips about the drone deliveries. The sheriff said in a statement that arrests were made from mid-December through earlier this month. The charges included introduction or attempts to introduce contraband into a correctional facility, possession with intent to deliver a controlled substance, unlawfully operating a drone, terroristic acts, and felony conspiracy. Muncie didn't say what drugs were allegedly flown into the facility or whether any of those arrested are inmates there. A 12th suspect wanted on an outstanding warrant in the investigation fled from officers on foot February 9th. Members of the sheriff's office found him dead several days later on February 15th. The statement didn't indicate where he was found and his body has been sent to the state medical examiner for an autopsy. A city south of Boston is asking Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey to send in the Massachusetts National Guard to stop violence and address security concerns at a troubled high school. Four of the seven members of the Brockton School Committee backed the National Guard request amid teacher shortages and budget deficits. The governor's office acknowledged the concerns about Brockton High School, where teachers reported fighting and drug use in the hallways and verbal abuse of staff at a press conference. Committee member Anna Oliver said, We're not asking them to deploy a whole army to our school. We're asking for support. The committee members who backed the request said National Guard personnel could be used as hall monitors or even substitute teachers. Brockton Mayor Robert Sullivan, who serves as chairman of the school committee, said he forwarded the request to the governor, even though he opposes it, saying, quote, National Guard soldiers are not the answer. End quote. The city has also reached out to police to help find a solution to their problems. New details are emerging about the death of a U.S. citizen in Germany. Correspondent Karen Shamas reports. An American man has admitted to attacking two U.S. tourists and killing one of them at a famous German tourist destination. The 31-year-old defendant admitted to charges of murder and rape after he allegedly pushed two U.S. women down a ravine. One of the women died following the attack near Germany's Neuschwanstein Castle last year. Mobile phone footage of the man being arrested on the day of the attack in June showed two German officers escorting him away. The defendant is charged with murder, rape with fatal consequences, attempted murder and possession of child pornography. Murder charges carry a maximum sentence of life in prison in Germany. I'm Karen Shamas. Ransomware is when someone breaks into your system and holds your data for ransom. If you fail to pay, they expose your secrets or sell your data. One massive online group has been shut down by a multinational law enforcement effort dubbed Kronos. Correspondent Chuck Palm has that story in today's tech report. The notorious cybercrime gang Lockbit that grabs onto and holds its victims' data for ransom has been busted. In a rare multinational law enforcement operation by Britain's National Crime Agency, the FBI, and Europol, 
has taken over the website and posted that this site is now under police control. An NCA spokesperson confirmed that the agency has disrupted the gang and said the operation, dubbed Kronos, was ongoing and developing. Lockbit did not respond to message requests, but did post an encrypted message saying that they had backup servers that were not affected by the law enforcement action. Lockbit makes money by stealing sensitive data and threatening to leak it if the victims fail to pay. Lockbit and their affiliates have hacked some of the world's largest organizations in the past few months. Lockbit was exposed in 2020 when malicious software was found on a Russian cybercrime forum, leading some security analysts to believe that the gang is based in Russia. Leave a comment at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Nine till now with Tuesday Sports on America in the Morning. Here's Robert Workman. William Byron captured the rain-delayed 66th running of the Daytona 500 Monday, his first win ever in the Great American Race, his seventh cup race win, though, in the last year. It was also the ninth Daytona victory for Hendrick Motorsports. That ties them with Petty Enterprises for the most in NASCAR history, but it was their first since Dale Earnhardt Jr. won it 10 years ago. Byron's teammate Alex Bowman finished second, the pair passing under the white flag just as a crash broke out behind them at the start of the final lap. Byron's number 24 Chevrolet has been to the winner's circle before. It's Former driver Jeff Gordon, now Hendrick vice chairman, was a three-time champ at the big race. NHL, a lot of Monday matinees on President's Day, including a wild one in Minnesota, where the Wild trailed the league-leading Canucks by three in the final minute of period two, before breaking out for six goals in less than six minutes to pull out a 10-7 victory. It's the fastest half-dozen goals in a game in 25 years. Joel Eriksson-Eck and Kirill Kaprizov each scored twice in the rally and each finished with a hat trick and three assists. Coach John Hines had a hunch something special was about to happen. You could feel the way that we were engaged in the game, that there was no letdown, even was it 4-1 and 5-2, that, you know, the mindset was still the same. And then those guys delivered, and then we were able to, you know, follow up from that and ride a little bit of the momentum. JT Miller also had a hatter for the Canucks. It makes it the first regular season game with three hat tricks since 1992. Austin Matthews got goal number 49 on the season as the Maple Leafs beat the Blues 4-2. Senators deflected the Lightning 4-2. Bruins slipped past the Stars 4-2 three in a nine-round shootout to snap a four-game slide. Red Wings got by the Kraken 4-3 in overtime. Ducks edged the Sabres 4-3. Golden Knights shut out the Sharks 4-0, 29 saves for Logan Thompson. Oilers drilled the Coyotes 6-3. Arizona has lost 10 in a row. Hurricanes doubled up the Blackhawks 6-3, and the Flames scored five unanswered goals to light up the Jets 6-3. For the first time this year, there's a unanimous choice for number one in men's college basketball. Connecticut received all 62 first-place votes from the Riders and all 32 from the coaches this week for their 24-2 record. Houston moved up to second with Purdue slipping a notch to third. The second-ranked Cougars held off number 6 Iowa State last night, 73-65, to take over first place in the Big 12. The Connecticut women beat Creighton, giving Coach Gino Ariema win number 1,203. That's one more than men's Division I leader Mark Krzyzewski, and it's second only to Stanford's Tara Vanderveer all-time. The NBA resumes on Thursday, another coaching change as the Nets fire Jacques Vaughn and promote assistant Kevin Ollie to interim coach. That's Tuesday Sports. When we return on America in the Morning, Hero Cop and an astronomical discovery after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. The cast of Boy Meets World revealed their behind-the-scenes interactions with a child predator. Correspondent Kevin Carr has details. 
On Monday, the normally lighthearted podcast Pod Meets World offered a more somber look at the dangers of child stardom. Host Daniel Fischel, Ryder Strong, and Will Ferdell, who starred in the hit series Boy Meets World, discussed their involvement with guest actor Brian Peck. In 2003, Peck was convicted of eight counts of sexual abuse and spent 16 months in prison. Fischel began the episode with their reaction at the time of his arrest. We saw no signs of this behavior and were not victimized ourselves and were constantly being told by this person who was our friend that he was the actual victim. Boy Meets World ran on ABC from 1993 through 2000. Peck was hired for a two-episode arc in season five and continued to work on the show. Strong and Fidel recalled how it did not seem strange to hang out with actors many times their age. You hung out with adults all the time. We were adults. Other than our ages, we were treated completely and totally as adults, family therapist Katie Morton was a guest on the podcast, and she explained that predators can use close connections to manipulate situations in their favor. It's that slow and steady kind of wiggling in to where all of a sudden it feels normal, right? No yeah. parent was probably there to be like, hey, this is an adult. As the episode wraps up, Strong explained predators do not present themselves as stereotypes, but rather are often someone close to you that you genuinely like and trust. It's never the guy in a trench coat. It's never yeah. the stranger. It's the people who have access to children, and they're so freaking cool. I'm Kevin Carr. A Florida sheriff's deputy says he was just doing his job when he quickly came to the aid of a mom and her children in a car crash. Correspondent Lisa Dwyer has details. A speeding motorcyclist sped past at over 100 miles an hour as Charlotte County Deputy Sergeant Dave Musgrove was traveling on a state highway on February 8th. Seconds later, the motorcyclist slammed into a car, their body landing in the car on top of small children in the back seat. Musgrove pulled a toddler from a booster seat. I'm trying to help you. He flagged a passerby to help him. I need to hold this little girl, please. He then worked to free the baby. But the baby was not moving. Musgrove then performed chest compressions on the baby. I just heard it breathe. Paramedics arrived and confirmed. Yeah. On the yeah. infant? Yeah. On an infant? Yeah. There's a pulse? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you tell, Mom? I'm Lisa Dwyer. Astronomers make a dazzling new discovery, correspondent Shelley Adler explains. The record-breaking quasar has a black hole at its heart that's so big and growing so fast that it swallows the equivalent of a sun a day. The distant quasar shines 500 trillion times brighter than our sun, and its black hole is more than 17 billion times more immense than our sun. An Australian-led team reported the findings in the journal Nature Astronomy. The quasar is 12 billion light-years away, and it's been around since the early days of the universe. Scientists say it was misclassified as a star decades ago and therefore hiding in plain sight. I'm Shelley Adler. America in the Morning for Tuesday, February 20th, 2024 is produced by Alexander Hinson, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 